You're listening to the More to Life podcast. In each episode, we'll talk with authors and artists about what happened in their life, where they are now, and how they can help you, while ultimately pointing you to the author of life, Jesus. As guests share their stories, we hope that you'll discover purpose and meaning to all of the moments in your life, whether they be messy, mundane, or monumental. In other words, we hope you'll find more to life. Thanks for joining us. This is the More to Life podcast, and we're here today with author Grace Fox. And Grace has a passion to connect the dots between faith and real life by helping others learn to love, understand, and apply God's word. She's also an international speaker uh, and a podcaster, and her new devotional is called Keeping Hope Alive, Devotions for Strength in the Storm. And there are 90 devotions in there, and I love how it's broken up. It starts with a little scripture, and then a vignette. And then there's a ponder section where it's kind of a question or a statement that you can think about, and then a prayer. So really, each devotion can be read in maybe three to five minutes. However, you can definitely spend longer with them. It's a beautiful book, too. I love the artwork in it and the coloring and very pretty. So I've had the pleasure of meeting you once before, at least. And I was excited when I found out that I was able to interview you today. And yesterday you had an author signing event. And while we were there, you mentioned um, this quote. You said that people need hope, which I thought was so appropriate and just ties into what your book is about. I feel like that's true at any point in life, but it just seems more relevant today. So why do you think that is that people need hope, Grace? Oh, boy. Isn't it true that every time we turn on the news or every headline we read, it's some disaster has happened. It just feels like it's been a tsunami for the right. last couple of years. And so we're we're walking through still the, the leftovers of this pandemic. It's still not completely gone, but uh, so much fallout from that. Mm-hmm. There's brokenness in families as a result of that. There's churches that are hurting as a result of that. Businesses, people losing their livelihood, losing their loved ones, and still grieving over not being able to be with them when they pass. There's a lot of trauma that people have experienced. And so I, I just, there's all of that, but there's still the stuff that happens on the day to day when um, there's a sudden loss or uh, you get the, the big C diagnosis, right? Or your best friend gets a diagnosis like that. And so many things are happening in people's lives. We need a fresh infusion of hope. So was there something um, in your life personally that led you to write on this topic or? Yeah. yeah. And really, you know, as you mentioned, they're short. Mm-hmm. They're very short. And I made them very short intentionally because when we're in a storm, it's really hard for us to focus. Mm-hmm. And so I have sat beside the bedside of my child in the hospital many times. And my head is not in the space of opening my Bible and reading chapters at that time or going into depth mm-hmm. study, right? Right. But I needed biblical encouragement right. during that time. And so I needed something that was short, doable, and that I could remember. Mm-hmm. And so that's who I had in mind when I wrote these books. I had an experience years ago that was, it was the turning point in my life as a young woman, as a young mom. And uh, I always look back as to that's where the greatest aha moment came for me. I was a missionary in Nepal at the time. Uh, My husband and I were there for just under three years. We were ready to commit the rest of our lives to missions in Nepal. And we'd had an an interview with a career mission agency one week before our second child was born. And Stephanie was born on a Tuesday in March with 
a medical condition called hydrocephalus, which is too much water on the brain. So she was born with a very large head, and I had to have a C-section to deliver her. The doctors at that point said, you're done here. She needs a, a shunt put in her head to drain that excess wow. fluid off, but we can't do that here. You need to be on the first available flight back to North America. Well, back in the day then, there were, there were not very many international flights from Kotlandu, um, but we found out that the next flight would be Friday. So on Wednesday, my husband tried to get the tickets for that, and the airline, when they found out I'd had a C-section, said, well that's a medical high risk. We can't have your wife on board the plane. And we don't want a baby under two weeks on the plane either, because that's also risky. And so my husband just thought to himself, well, I've got to get this child home. And so it was before 9-11. It never would have happened after 9-11. He was able to wrap her in a blanket and we gave him one bottle of express breast milk and he had a diaper bag. So Wednesday tried to get the tickets. Thursday, we had a 12-hour ride by Land Rover back to Kathmandu. And Friday, my husband left with our three-day-old daughter. And I remember laying on my back, holding my little 20-month-old son, who was crying because his world had been turned upside down, and he didn't understand. He'd had a measles vaccination a few days prior, so now he was feverish and kind of cranky for that. Didn't want anybody else to hold him but mommy. I wasn't really in a condition to hold him either. So I'm laying on my back and I've got this child across my chest. And I was just crying because I said, God, I, I cried my way through two years of culture shock here (laughs) and I'm finally willing to spend the rest of my life here. And now we're going home. What's with that? And, and then I thought, I I didn't ask the question, why me? That Mm -hmm. really didn't come to my mind. But the question I asked was, what do you want me to learn in Mm -hmm. this? And that I believe is the key question Mm -hmm. when we get into those storms. And into that moment, the Holy Spirit answered by putting the lyrics of an old hymn in my mind. Mm. And it was the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. So, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there's no shadow of turning with Thee. And I remember um, hanging on to those words. And they weren't a promise that my daughter was going to live. Mm -hmm. They weren't a promise that she was going to have this great quality of life if she lived. But they were a promise that no matter what happened, the Lord would be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so I hung on to that promise. And Stephanie ended up going through about a dozen surgeries in the first couple of years. She had meningitis when she was 11 months old. She had a brain surgery just within a week or so after being released from the hospital for meningitis. Mm-hmm. And uh, the neurosurgeon that was going to do her brain surgery was killed in a helicopter skiing accident a few days before surgery. And oh her occupational therapist died in a freak accident. Oh it was just wild. Yeah. But we hung on to that promise that no matter what happens, God is faithful. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what carried me through that storm. And my daughter's now 37. Mm-hmm. She still has neurological issues that she struggles with, but, but she's a certified financial coach and she's brilliant. But not everybody's story ends well. And so, you know, we, we have no way of knowing how our story is going to end, but we can know for certainty that God doesn't leave us alone in mm-hmm. those storms. That's mm-hmm. so powerful. <laughs> You need something to hold on to, mm-hmm. I guess, an anchor in the storm. It you, is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. Andrea, that is a great way to put it, especially as we talk about the storms. And I live on a sailboat, so I know all about anchors yeah. holding a boat. And if the anchor is not set in something secure mm-hmm. under the water, it, it's not going to hold. Mm-hmm. And we actually have an alarm on our boat. So if we're away from the dock and we have to throw an anchor down for night, Mm -hmm. we have this alarm that will sound if the anchor drifts outside a radius. And my husband puts that into a computer. If it drifts outside that radius, we know we're in trouble. And that alarm is going to sound so loud it will wake us up so that we can 
make sure that we're not going to we're not drifting yeah. into rocks somewhere yeah. or to into shores somewhere. But that that anchor is all important, mm. and we have to be anchored in something that is truth and that is not going to give way mm-hmm. in that storm. That's a good illustration. Well, you kind of touched on it then a little bit about you and your husband living on a boat. I think that's so fascinating. How did that come about? Mm, I grew up in southern Alberta, so I'm a landlubber girl. (laughs) And I married a guy who grew up in Washington State. And he grew up in a family that had a cabin on the waterfront. And then they built a house there. He drove a boat when he was six years old. So way different from me, like so different. But uh, we met at a Christian summer camp and uh, later ended up working at that camp for 11 years where he was program director and okay. developed a sailing program. So this is off the coast of British Columbia. Oh, wow. That's and he, beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful there. Yeah. So we had, we bought a 27-foot Catalina at one point and, and the camp used it more than we did. So he developed a sailing camp program with our boat kind of as the first one and okay. then, you know, ended up buying a fleet of them. And and now we live on a 48-foot boat but, um, yeah, it was like God put that dream in my husband's heart mm. in, back in the late 1990s because we moved to the camp in 96. And it was probably about 97 that he wow. put that dream in my husband's heart. And he said, wouldn't that be fun? To have a boat someday? <laughs> I thought, sure, okay. Uh, It'll never happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't need to burst his bubble because uh, it's never going to happen. But in 2017, we had just come back from serving in Romania and Poland for the summer went to a marina just to walk around, look at boats to kill time. And out of my mouth, out of my you, mouth okay. came, you know what? We're not getting any younger. If we're ever going to do this, it better be now. And, I, and then I'm, I'm like, what was that? And my husband's like, do, do you mean that? And I'm thinking, no, it's I, too late. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did just say that, didn't I? Oh, but God just put miracle, miracle, miracle after miracle together and put us on a boat in a marina. We've been there four and a half years, okay. have not found another believer there. Really? And we know we're there by call. Yeah. You know, that is that is a, minish, a mission field, yeah. like a, an unreached people group right there at that marina in North America. Uh, my neighbors grow marijuana and alcohol plays <laughs> a huge part of their life. And I've learned more four-letter words than I ever knew existed. But I love these people and they love us. And there's a trust relationship that's been built. And, and God is working in people's hearts. We just that's know amazing. it. That's yeah. amazing. You've been like across the country, across the world, and then right here, yeah, just two feet away or however far away. Boats are apart. Not much yeah. more than two yeah. feet. <laughs> <laughs> there's your mission field right there. Yeah. So are there any lessons that you've learned, like spiritual lessons, anything that's come into play with writing your devotionals yeah. from living on a boat? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's one. I keep thinking of the storm. Okay. So it's not a matter of if, but right. when, because we all go through storms, right. whatever that looks like, you know, it's all there. But how hard is the wind going to blow? We don't know that either, right? Yeah. So we need to be prepared for mm-hmm. it. And we don't. We can't prepare when the storm's blowing around us, right? That's <laughs> a little too late. too late, yeah. But but to do it by getting into the Word and establishing a regular quiet time with the Lord and mm-hmm. getting familiar with His promises and His character and growing in that love relationship with Him mm-hmm. so that when the storm comes, it just doesn't blow us away. Mm-hmm. But um, I learned that one by um, the first time we got out into uh, rough water away from the dock. I wasn't prepared. I'd never done anything like this before. And my husband was so consumed with the the systems on the boat and running the boat. He wasn't thinking about the salon and what was going on inside. That was my territory, right? So he's thinking, I got it covered. And I didn't. What happened? We got into the rough water and I had, say, a basket with apples and oranges fell off the little ledge that it was sitting on. And now I had fruit rolling across the salon. (laughs) 
a little stand-up fridge Uh-oh. and the individual yogurts because a door flew open oh. and the little yogurts are falling out and, and then the eggs started falling out. Oh, dear. You know, it, I have, oh, say, like a crock pot because okay. this is my home. So yeah. I've got a crock pot and a toaster and appliances started, no. you know, moving around. And so I learned from that the hard way that I need to prepare before we ever leave the dock. And those kinds of things that could turn into projectiles, they need to be stowed safely. And so that's what I do now. But but I have to prepare before I hit the rough water. And so same thing, we prepare before. It's a little messy if you don't, apparently. It is a mess. (laughs) So what are some things that you can do to prepare spiritually then for the storm? Yeah, like getting into the Word on a regular basis and developing that quiet time. And not because... We don't want to look at our quiet time as a check. Check. Yeah. I'm a good, good little Christian girl. And yeah. I, you know, so check to do. Okay. It's not. It's reading the word like it's a love letter from the Lord, mm-hmm. the one who created us and who knows us best. Mm-hmm. And he wants to communicate with us. He wants to lead us. He wants us to know him. And this is one of the ways he reveals himself to us. Mm-hmm. And so look for the gems. Look for those diamonds that are in the word. And, and that's one way. Um, having a prayer partner and it, you know, I know not every couple prays together. So if you are in a marriage that, um, where your partner doesn't pray with you, what friend do you have who you can pray with? And, uh, my husband and I prayed together from the get go, but you know what? I had a girlfriend once who did daycare and so did I many years ago when, when my children were small and we wanted to pray for our children and for mm. our marriages together. So we couldn't get together because we had so many little kids we were <laughs> right. caring for, yeah. but, but we thought, okay, we could, we could, get the kids down for a nap Mm -hmm. in the afternoon or even a quiet time. So try to get them down at the same time, even if it was just for an hour, but we'd get on the phone and we spent 10 minutes together on the phone on a Monday afternoon, praying for our our own kids and our, and our marriages. And we did that for months, but, um, you know, praying together with a group of friends, Mm -hmm. maybe get together once a month and just pray for your families or your own concerns, you know, Mm -hmm. your dreams, your passions, whatever it is that you want to pray together for but do that and that way when the storm comes you know what the enemy will try to to look for a crack in the thinking mm. and one of the things that he will do in a storm is to say you don't want to tell anybody about this mm. because what are they going to think about you yeah. especially if it has to do with a child maybe that's gone you know choosing bad making yeah. bad choices they're going to think you're a bad, bad mom right. you don't want to tell anybody about that and they don't care anyways they're busy with their own stuff you know <laughs> That's a lie, you know, but to go to that friend or that group of friends and say, hey, could you pray for this? Mm-hmm. And when we're honest about the struggles we're going through, those own those storms, they're going to have the freedom to come back mm-hmm. with their own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can support and encourage each other that way. Good point. Some good things to do in preparation for sure. So in, in touching on the topic of, of hope with your new book, Keeping Hope Alive, how do we trust God in our hopelessness? When you're hopeless, it seems hard to trust God in those times, which is ironic because that's the thing you need to do the most. We have to remember that the truth is it is not hopeless. Mm. Our emotions will try to tell us that. But again, that's that's a lie that Mm -hmm. we can easily believe, right? So here's one thing. I think when we get into the storms and our emotions tell us it's hopeless, they will tell us, where's God in all of this? And he's clearly not present or he wouldn't have allowed this into your life, right? False. Right. One of the scripture truths is that we are to expect suffering. There's nothing, it, it doesn't, suffering does not always comes because we've done something wrong. Um, God allows suffering because it deepens us. It refines us. It burns the junk out of us. 
and we get to know him more intimately if we respond to it mm-hmm. well. But like, okay, here's the thing. One day I was going for a walk beside the river where we live. And I saw three herons, gray herons that were standing in the shallow water up to their ankles, right? And one of them took off as I was watching them. And it flew overhead and landed in a tree that was overhead, but the tree was full of leaves. So as I'm standing watching this, just fascinating. I love these birds, Uh right? I'm standing watching this and thinking, this is so cool to be so close to nature. (laughs) But I realize I'm looking in this tree and I can't see that heron, but I know he's there because I saw him land there. And the enemy, when he tries to tell us that God isn't present in this, you know what? That's where we have to say, wait a minute. My emotions will tell me that. The enemy is trying to feed me that. But the truth says, God says, he will never leave us or abandon us. He will never forsake us. And he is with us when we go through the fire. He's with us when we go through the through the flood, nothing will overtake us that is too much for us because he is there with us. We might not see him, but the truth says he's there because the promises say so. And we just have to hang on to that. When I was in all that situation Mm -hmm. with my daughter, I recalled a poster that I loved when I was a teenage girl. And it was a poster that had a rope coming down from the top, Mm -hmm. from a ceiling, and it had a knot tied in the bottom of it. There was a little kitten at the bottom of that knot with his claws dug in for all it was worth into that knot. And the text on the poster said something like, when all else fails, tie a knot and hang on. And and (laughs) that's, that's, you know, the knot for us would be the promises of God. And we're that little kitten hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And we're not going to let go. We are going to hang on to those promises, even when our emotions Mm -hmm. tell us otherwise. I love that you made that distinction between our emotions and what's true, because our emotions just seem, like you said, those parents that you can see, where they're just more visible, more tangible, they're in your face, loud, but God's truth is is what's constant and what doesn't change and is what we can hold on to, Mm -hmm. even when circumstances tell us that we can't or make us feel like we can't, for sure. I feel like that's kind of a question that a lot of people ask, even non-Christians, like, if God is good, why do bad things happen, you know? Oh, I think about Joseph. There's so many Bible characters who probably ask the same question, right? (laughs) Some people have those conversations with them, but Joseph sold out by his brothers, and then he ends up, he was a kid, he was 17 years old, and he ends up in this foreign culture, you know, in a people group who's whose traditions he didn't understand, whose language he didn't understand, mm-hmm. whose whose gods were not the gods that he was raised to believe mm-hmm. in. And, oh, talk about culture shock, big yeah. time for this kid, right? And then he ends up in jail for something that he never did. And he's there for years and years and years and years and yeah. years. But it says in the scripture, God was with him. Mm-hmm. God was with him. God was with him. And did he always feel like God was with him? I don't know. Maybe he wonders sometimes if God had abandoned him too, but... Boy, we can just look at these biblical characters mm-hmm. and how many years later when he becomes the second in command in the land of Egypt and then his brothers come mm-hmm. and, and that whole thing of where he has, you know, the relationship is restored. Mm-hmm. But he had the aha moment at the end mm-hmm. where he said, oh, it was for this reason. Mm-hmm. So all these people could be saved. That's what this was about. Do you know what? God in his goodness sometimes gives us a glimpse of that, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't owe us that. But if, you know, if we get that glimpse of what that pain was all about, great. Yeah. Call it a perk. But if he doesn't, we still need to just walk by faith, believing that 
He has not changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someday, someday, someday in heaven, maybe we will get the full scoop on this story (laughs) as to what it was that he was trying to teach us Mm -hmm. or how he reached somebody else's life as a result of we went through. But we may never know on, on this side of eternity. Even with the story of Joseph, though, that you were talking about, God had told him, though, from the very beginning, you know, that his brothers were going to bow down to him and he was going to be in the position of leadership. And, it, you know, obviously, as circumstances went along, it wasn't looking like that. So, yeah, but he always had that promise or that truth that he could mm-hmm. go back to. And I'm sure he had to recall that a lot of times and wonder, well, how is this going to happen? It doesn't look like it right yeah, now. That's right. But, yeah, same with us. Even Even when things don't make sense, we can always go back to God's word and hold on to the truth that's there. Is there anything else from your book that you would want readers to know about? Yeah, there's several of the devotionals there where I really talk about the power of our thought and even our Mm self-talk. When we're in the storm, mm, there was one time several years ago where I lost my mobility for three months. And here I was with this non-weight-bearing cast. My bedroom was 15 steps up on the third floor of our townhouse that we were living in at the time. I remember about two and a half months into it, bumming my way backwards up the stairs every night to go to bed, thinking, and I said this, I said this out loud, quietly, I can't do this anymore. And as soon as I said it, it was like the Holy Spirit said, what, what? Yes, you can, Grace. Yes, you can. And then I thought, that's true. I can't. Where did that I can't do this anymore come from? And so the importance of speaking truth over ourselves when we're in a situation Mm -hmm. where we're in that storm and the winds are blowing and the waves are breaking over us to not speak a lie because especially as we say it out loud, we'll hear that and it goes back into our head and, and our human bent is always to go towards the negative, but to recall, we call ourselves back to the truth again and, and, and to recognize where that comes from. That doesn't come from the truth of the word of God. That doesn't come from the Holy spirit. I can't do that anymore. That comes direct from the pit from the enemy who's trying to take us out. And so be careful with the self-talk. Maybe I, what I should have said was, Thank you, Jesus. I feel weak, but you are strong. Mm. And I know that you're going to get me through this. That's truth versus I can't do this anymore. So be careful and be careful of the thoughts that we think because, you know, we are to think what is true mm-hmm. and what is right and honorable and yeah. you know, all the rest of that. Not not think the lies. Don't be thinking this is too hard for me. Mm. I'll never get through this. But thank you, Jesus, that in the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within me, you will get me through this. I don't know what a breakthrough is going to look like, but I am not going to give in to the enemy and lose hope. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. So listeners could get your book at any Christian bookstore. Yeah, yeah, wherever Christian books are sold. So go to the local Christian bookstore and support your local Christian bookstore. There you go. All right. And is there a website or any social media? Yeah, my website is gracefox.com. And I'm on Facebook. I've got my uh, timeline, Grace Lowen Fox, L-O-E-W-E-N. And my uh, page where you're going to get all kinds of, like my podcast, I post that there. And and my blog post and all that goes there as well. And that would be Grace Fox Christian Author Speaker. And if people sign up to get my weekly devotional blog or a monthly update, then um, there's a little magnet you know a little freebie that they can go to sign up for that and and then get uh, it's a set of six scripture memory cards right now that they can get that's really nice well thank you thanks for sharing about your new book keeping hope alive and taking the time to talk with us thank you thank you it's been a pleasure 
Thanks for listening to the More to Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us again. We would also love for you to invite a friend and write a review, which helps others find our podcast. And for more encouraging stories and testimonies from authors and artists, you can also visit our website, mtlmagazine.com, where we hope you'll find more to life.